0: As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things.
1: If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
0: Erin Addison.
1: On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. We are broadcasting live and direct from the Texas Homeschool Convention. At the beautiful center it's yes. one of those things where you always have to get your bearings on yeah you have to figure out where you are figure it out and <laughs> you go home you know the lay of the land but you know <laughs> um, anyway we're really excited to be here dr ben carson is presenting here lee strobel jenny urich and rick green is also presenting Brother here. rick um we are also hosting um a session, presenting in mm-hmm. a session. Yes. Um, workshop, yeah. A workshop. That's yeah. what. That's the word I was looking for. Thanks for coming <laughs> to my rescue, saving me from myself. That's what I'm here for. I, I appreciate it more yeah. than you know. Okay, so joining us today to talk about the incredible work he's doing uh, through media, through podcasting, and also presenting uh, across the country as he zips. Up and down the interstate to make sure that parents know how to equip their kids to stand in the generation that they're in is Paul Hastings. Paul mm-hmm. is a podcaster, he is a speaker, and what there's so many other things that you do. You just are a creative person, mm. Paul. Like this is one of the many ways that God has gifted you mm. to be able to enter the body of Christ, right? Yeah. I hope so. Ideas from a concept, an idea to fruition. It's something that you do. We met you at a homeschool convention about two years ago. Yeah, HAV yep. in uh, Virginia. Yeah, and um, and since then we just kind of stayed in contact because we fell in love with your podcast. We hmm. fell in love, with compelled, our whole and family. our entire family did. Yeah. It was one of those, let's listen to it again. We don't care that we've heard this one. <laughs> <laughs> we're in the car. We're on the road. Let's listen to it again hmm. because it is, as you know. Compelling, yeah, right, <laughs> yeah. So, so tell our listeners a little bit. We actually had the honor of uh, what do you call it? It was like the premiere of
2: yeah season five, season guys. Five. Yep, last year. Yep. yeah, that's right. So I'm Paul Hastings. Grew up in Texas my whole life. Lived here. I'm 34 now, and it's funny that we're hanging out at the Texas Homeschool Coalition conference uh, because actually that's a strong tie. So I'm a podcaster, but I'm also a homeschooler. Was homeschooled my whole life. Uh, and then my wife and i we've got four kids now, ages six, four, two, and uh three weeks, I think is what it is <laughs> <Ten> <laughs> weeks. yeah you, you know when they're so little and you're not getting enough sleep, you just kind of it's all a blurry you know? that's right that's right, and of course i 'm the one talking like i'm the one who actually slept last night because my <laughs> wife is back home with all four kids three weeks
1: people know this work, but to your wife and every mom listening, it's an escape. Uh, like you, yeah, you get to kind yeah, of escape for a couple of days to it's come. pretty true, yeah. And work,
2: babe. If you're listening, I'm so sorry, honey. <laughs> but I'm trying to have a good time on your behalf. That, that, it's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. <laughs> That's right. Okay,
1: so tell our listeners a little bit more about what you bring to um, homeschooling, like your area of expertise. I know that you have a session that you teach on, like college hacks. Yep, yep. Which is always well attended, yep. and there's a lot of information there. And I don't want to give away your talk because otherwise. Why would people come? Sure, right? sure. But talk a little bit about the ways that you discovered that you could you know, save yourself a little bit of money yeah. if you're going to go to college.
2: Yeah, so when I was in, I think I was 16 years old, and my parents said, hey, you know what? Instead of sending you to a traditional brick-and-mortar school like we sent your brother, um, you should look at trying to do dual credit stuff and see mm. how much money you can save that way. And so I really took that to heart. Um, And we saved gobs and gobs of money by using dual credit. And then also after I was done getting dual credit from a local community college, by the time I was like 18, um, I started doing uh, basically CLEP testing and different ways of getting accreditation by just taking a test instead of like having to take like, you know, six months out of your life going to a classroom or whatever and spending a lot of money for a school that would accept my credits. And I ended up getting my Bachelor's of Science for I think less than $10,000 grand total, I think. So it was wow. pretty cheap, pretty affordable. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you know, so those are some of the things that I share with other homeschool parents about, hey, you know, here's some ideas how you can save a lot of money. And then also be able to do all these other great experiences through your college life because you got all this time back. Just like in homeschooling, you get so much more flexibility. Yeah. You can do that in college, too.
1: Yeah. Were you did you feel prepared? Like once you were done. With your homeschooling education, and you did your dual credit, so you didn't have to spend as much time, if you will, on the college scene. Did you feel prepared and equipped? And I'm going to ask in several different areas to go out into the world and live as a follower of Christ and talk about that.
2: Yeah, because you know what? It's actually crazy. I felt more prepared as an adult. To actually be a real life adult, then like some pe- some people will say, "Hey, homeschooling, did you feel prepared to go to college?" Uh, mm-hmm. ask, hey, homeschooling, are you prepared to be an adult? Yeah, to Yeah, for sure. And so like by the time I was 21, I'd had jobs, I'd been making money. One still right, and I was still doing my college thing on the side. Yeah. yeah. But I, was, I had a full-time job working for the Texas Homeschool Coalition. Wow. And so, you know, and, and then lots of other cool opportunities happened because of that. And I just felt like I was an adult. And so, like, I would actually look at other friends of mine who had essentially delayed their maturation mm-hmm. because they were still going to college. And, like, depending on, like, how well I knew these friends. But, like I mean, some of them were, like, going to playing beer pong at night or whatever. Wow. Getting wasted. And basically just being a kid, right? Being a kid, a 22 year old body, Yeah. but they're just a big kid basically. Yeah, and Mm.
1: I think not feeling the sense of vulnerability in life, it feels like that's your job, like just to be in school. So it suspends reality. And I think that's one of the things that parents maybe miss in having the opportunity to educate kids at home is to really prepare them for life not only academically, not only like looking at what they'll do as far as gainful employment, but then spiritually speaking, um, to be discipled and to be trained in godliness. Talk about that experience a little bit as a homeschooler and now a homeschooling dad.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, I was living on my own homeschool coalition, I'd moved about six hours away to Lubbock, Texas, so I was raised in Austin moved six hours away, and I really, really wanted to plug in with a church. And so I actually ended up going to um, a church that was called South Plains Bible Chapel. Now it's called Freeway Bible Chapel, but I went there, great body of believers I could, could unite with. I'm still friends with many of those people today. And it was really interesting because it was like this moment where I realized, like, okay, I'm living on my own. I could live a secret life. Like I could totally do that right now. Here free of any kind of accountability or whatever you know I semblance know exactly of accountability to me yeah. uh, <laughs> but instead it was this real moment where I was like, no, this is my faith right yes. like a, the Lord has protected me. He's granted me uh, you know, an awesome family to raise up in. And there were other things that were going on also. Like I know a lot of single young guys, when they move out on their own, like, man, there's the temptation of lust, yeah. right? And living on your yeah. own. So one of the safeguards that I, I just implemented, because I heard of another friend who, who did this. It was like, I just didn't have internet at my mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. Got rid of the internet. Didn't pay for it. it saved a bunch of money that yeah. way, right? Yeah. And if I wanted internet, I'd have to go somewhere you know, public yeah. to get yeah. access. Yeah. And that was just something I chose to do. On my own. Mm-hmm. And I'm really grateful for that. The Lord protected me from a lot of temptation Amen. that way. Yeah. So really grateful for that also. So Amen. I think that
1: this has to be something that is um trained in you though. Like yeah. you don't yeah. this doesn't kick in when you leave home. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I think there have there has to be like that. you have seeds yeah. Yeah. that are there that are now the fruit of that is yeah. going to Amen. be manifested in your life. And so Talk about the ways that your parents kept Jesus Christ Mm. center and, like, foremost in your education.
2: Yeah, that's definitely a family culture, like an actual family culture of, like, we serve the Lord first. So my mom grew up as a Buddhist in Thailand. When she Mm. came to America at age 26 or so, she was a nominal Buddhist at that point. And she had a pretty awesome salvation experience where she came a christian a sold out believer she and my dad were very passionate about their faith and they wanted to homeschool to um, teach their children the faith that they had now that was back in the 1980s homeschooling mm. was actually illegal yeah. in many parts of the country and my dad had heard of this idea of homeschooling he lived in texas he knew that it was like you know legally questionable and he even heard of heard of families being prosecuted and taken into court and in worst case scenarios thrown into prison Texas. Mm. In Texas. Wow. Being thrown in prison for homeschooling. And at the time there was no backup research to say that homeschool kids are actually smart. And, and so he actually believed he actually had this sinking feeling like I believe we need homeschool my kids and they might actually turn out dumb. Mm. <laughs> but it's it really. more important for them to love Jesus oh, and be man. dumb <laughs> than to be smart. And go to hell. Come on, Listen, come on, okay. Come on. So,
1: tomorrow, that's basically you just gave away my presentation. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so that's sorry. not the title of it because they, they wouldn't put that on the program, what you just said right there. Um, but that is such a passion of ours. Like, that yeah. is our yeah. desire. And this is not a call to say that we're not going to be faithful, we're not going to be diligent in the academics portion of it. But the question then becomes what's your eternal aim?
2: Yeah.
1: It's what is the reason that they are kids at home? Well, it's because I want to make disciples of Jesus. Yeah. Like, I want them to have the ardent faith. I want them to have the genuine faith mm. that they can hold on to and then pass it down to their kids intact. I, yeah. I want to see in a way that, it was, that I receive it. Yeah. I want to see the truth. And I want kids to be able to that's that approach to some parents that almost feels like, but that's not all. not enough. Like, Talk about the ways that you've seen homeschooling change over the years, whereas maybe there was that kind of approach that your parents had. We we want Jesus to be front and center. Yeah. So now it's grown so much, yeah. and it's it's more mainstream. You're yeah. not weird.
0: And, and say, even the social media aspect of how children are growing up now as opposed to, you know, I, I know that has to play a part in in all of this as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one, two important things. One is that we can never take the assumption like, hey, just because I was raised in my faith and now mm-hmm. we go to a great church and we're surrounded by Christians— don't assume that your kids are going to become Christians and lovers of Jesus by osmosis. Right. 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 No Come one on. ever drifts into faithfulness to God. That never happens. Oh, what people, a great do, quote. people drift away, you wow, don't drift into, right? Like that's right. A, that's, a, that's like the third law of thermodynamics, right? <laughs> Come like, on. Right oh, there, guys. So, good. So, <laughs> so let's get Come real on. serious about that. So, we have to be really intentional. Even mm. so, my wife and I, right? We have to be very intentional about what we're doing. And we homeschool our kids, yeah. mm-hmm. but we don't make the assumption, like, oh, you know, we chose the right curriculum. Right. Or we can offload this to whatever's going on. No, that does not happen. That yeah. does not happen. So, for our family, and, and, I, and I've seen I think you're spot on, Nikki, asking, like, hey, has homeschooling changed over time, like the demo? And you're right, like, it used to be. Everyone who was homeschooled, you know, the majority of people who were homeschooled right. were doing it for faith reasons, right? Mm-hmm. Today it's changed because there is now research showing that kids who are homeschooled are actually smarter than yeah. kids who are typically not. Um, and so, you know, we have to be on guard about that. And so let's not make the assumption that when I go to a homeschool book fair, like every curriculum is created equal and it's going right. to Lord. No. And so that's why you have to be vigil- vigilant and make mm-hmm. sure what you're doing is what the Lord has called you to do and stay mm-hmm. on tune with that. Yeah. And I,
0: I'm sure it's changed as well because of after COVID, when parents were finding out what was being taught it seemed like that was a big move to uh, i'm homeschooling my my, yeah. my child yeah and so it may not be been for faith reasons but it's like man protection as well yeah.
2: yeah yeah so let's be on guard about cultural christianity at the same time there as well like yeah. again like just because okay uh you know I, i've got this spiritual thought like I, just the other day i was talking to this girl that we're thinking about bringing on to our podcast as a potential guest mm-hmm. right she grew up in east texas uh, qu- quote, quote, unquote, Christian values, Christian family. Well, she came out as gay, right, or as lesbian, right, and everyone thought that was crazy. Right, her whole town just broke out into an uproar. This was back in the 1990s, before it was cool, quote unquote, cool to come out as LGBT. And so she comes out as lesbian. All of her friends are saying, oh, that's so wrong. That's so messed up. You should repent. God doesn't like that. And then she would respond back to them. It's like, well, hey, you sleep with your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just doing what I like, right? And they didn't really have a response for it because (laughs) they were sleeping with their boyfriends, right? Because they had this cultural Christianity veneer, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't actually a faith of dedication to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So she was so inculcated in the culture, she would call herself a Christian lesbian, She Mm. still went to church, still went to Bible study, and I'm not going to give away her whole story and how the Lord really got a hold of her heart, because uh, we're going to do that in a podcast. Wonderful. (laughs) Yes, you're going to have to stay down to make sure. Look, because can I
1: tell you what? what, So I don't know if you're reading my face. I'm kind of leaning in. So yeah, uh uh-huh. And then what happened? Like, where's the transformation? But that's what you get when you listen to Compelled. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to grab a quick break. If you can stay with us one more segment, we'll come back, and then we'll turn our focus to Compelled and the incredible ministry, because like it or not it is a ministry people are ministered to as they listen to you present the account of what God has done in other people's lives it reminds them that the Lord is real indeed and he's still really at work all right this is Aaron the Addison's oh I shouldn't bang on the table this is Aaron the Addison's (laughs) on American Family Radio we're at the Texas Homeschool Coalition Convention yes that's a lot to say say hopefully okay great we will take a quick break and we will be right back back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio thank you so much to uh, Trip Lee for the music cover we appreciate you <laughs> thank you brother we having some technical difficulties so we had to just bring in a musician his name, right his, his name is Trip Lee so thank you so on much location. for helping us out we are on location <laughs> and anything can happen we're used to it we're professionals we don't freak out Publicly.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. But behind the scenes, just know. Behind the scenes, man. All right. We are spending
1: spending the hour with Paul Hastings, who is a podcaster, speaker, and entrepreneur. He also serves on the board. I just learned this. Serves on the board of the Texas Homeschool Coalition, uh, who, by the way, they're hosting this homeschool convention here. And there's another one that's coming up in Houston.
2: That's right. Yeah, 30 days from now.
1: So that's exciting. We'll be there as well. Yeah. If, you, if,
2: if any of your listeners live in Houston, you guys should come. Andrew Peterson's going to be there. Lee Wonderful. Strobel, Rick Green. You guys. We're going to be there. That's the biggest reason I would go. I don't course. know about that, but thank you. That's very,
1: very kind. So I want to do a couple of things. I want to talk about um, Compelled and I want to talk about where you're going and how the Lord continues to develop that ministry and to develop that podcast. I want to talk about how you guys come across some of the stories, and then how you vet the stories, how you interview your guests. Um, we've gotten such great feedback just from that one oh, show yeah. that we did mm, uh, yeah. and talking about what you do. It was yes. just such a blessing to so many people. So, talk a little bit about that, and then we'll move from there.
2: Yeah. So, for those who are not familiar, we have a, sh- a podcast. I have a podcast called Compelled, where I interview people with unique stories, how God has transformed their life, how mm. the power of Jesus can totally upend everything everything that they know and so we we find these really cool testimonies we add sound effects music and narration and then we release it it's about 45 minutes long we normally do about one season a year so Mm -hmm. it's like maybe 10 to 15 episodes and we just release that free to listen to we don't charge anything and it's just kind of the ministry that we've been doing for the last five years.
1: I mean it is what you call immersive storytelling. Yeah. You you really are in in the moment, I would say, especially with the sound effects. Like mm. that's I think that may be I haven't polled the kids, but I think that's one of the things that they appreciate so much. Mm. And I think your choice of story. Mm. Like how do you decide, because everyone has a testimony. Yeah. How do you decide which story you're going to tell?
2: Yeah, so that's a really great question. One of the things that we, a core philosophy of ours is that these are God's stories that he's already Mm -hmm. written already. So Mm -hmm. the star of the story is not the person sharing the testimony it's not us. The star is actually Jesus. Oh, he is that's the star. So good, Amen. And so then we Amen. try to find stories that do the best job of amplifying the star. Because, again, it's God's story that it wrote in the first <laughs> place. And so we'll have a vetting process. Like, we might hear about some of the really cool story. We'll write down the idea. And then, like, maybe a couple years later, I'll reach out to that person if I'm going through their part of the country. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, hey, brother, just let's hop on a quick call and just tell me about yourself. And so we'll just kind of get a feel for their story. And sometimes it's not the right fit. Um, also, we'll also ask them, hey, what church you go to? Because we actually want to know, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna highlight you, people are gonna look at you and they're gonna yeah, come to you and they're gonna right. find out about you. That's, that's right. Good. We don't want there to be some kind of thing where they go check out your church or whatever and they start following you and maybe they're weak in their faith, maybe they're mm. just brand new, and if they start following you, but actually, like, I don't know, bro, like, do you really know Jesus that well? Right. Mm. You know. So right. we actually really care about that. So we try to vet these stories. We're not that, you know, we're not perfect at it, but we try to vet those. Um, one really can I tell you guys. Absolutely. A story? So I was just in Orlando a couple week a couple months ago recording stories and I kid you not, I recorded this one dude. His parents, when back in like the nineteen fifties, they, they were just regular people in Canada and they decided they want to become missionaries to an unreached people group. I mean totally not prepared for this at all, mm-hmm. right? They go to Bible school and then they buy a one-way ticket to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> they take their like six month old son which is the guy that we're interviewing, and they go and they move in with a tribe of cannibals. What? Cannibals. (laughs) They were the first white people that this tribe had ever seen. They had seen planes in the sky and thought that they were magical boxes. These magic boxes would land, (laughs) humans would get out, And the humans had these sticks that could shoot thunder. They had axes that could chop down trees. They had a box that could make noise come out of it. They had cans that had food in it. I mean, it was unbelievable. And so this guy is just recounting the story of growing up in a tribe of headhunting cannibals Mm -hmm. who thought his family was magic. And, like, about half the time they were trying to convince this other tribe, like, hey, we're not magicians. We actually represent the king of the universe Mm. God himself his son has sent us here to talk and guess what that really got their attention Mm. And this tribe of cannibals I think it was like 70 percent of them gave their lives to Christ that's incredible and that this little boy he's he was a little boy growing up in this tribe and he said back then the average life expectancy was under 40 Mm -hmm. if you met someone who was like 39 they were old because everyone's killing each other, raping each other, just wow. terrible things going on. He said today, he went back like 40 years later as an adult, right? And he said, there's old people there. Wow. No one had ever seen an old person. Like the tribe was just shocked as old people started emerging. Yeah. Because wow. no one had ever lived to be old to grow gray hair. Wow. Right. Crazy. Because wow. Because
1: Jesus changes civilization. Yes. Powerful He changes civilization and that's true for all of us. That's true for every nation everywhere. Yes. Where Jesus is lifted up, he changes civilization. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I've noticed about the Compelled podcast and one of the things I've noticed about the interviews, um, there are often compelling miracles Hmm. that happen Hmm. that I don't know how you explain those or how, as you're listening to those do you feel like I want to jump in and and kind of make sense of this? Or do you just let the miracle itself Mm. testify? Like, how does that happen? Great
2: question. So, you know, there's a principle that we're trying to use. And like, again, I'm not trying to just take my comfortable, my Paul Hastings comfortable Christianity and somehow force this on everyone. At the same time, Like, I feel that God has called me to try to exercise some wisdom, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the Bible tells us, like, hey, you know, if someone comes here with a word, you should measure this with with God's word first, Mm -hmm. right? That's right. So, like, you know, sometimes I'll hear some stories and I'll be like, "I I don't know, man, like did God really tell you to leave your wife? Mm. I don't think so, yeah, bro. I, no, I don't, I don't right. say that to the guy. But right, but yeah. I, I'm just not buying that. Comport, and like, we're, right. we're just not going to do your story, man. We're right. just not going to do that story. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just we just wipe it off reconcile the it to right, scripture. Right. But, but I'll tell you another story, though. Can I tell you another story? Well, yeah. Please. Okay, so <laughs> I, I interviewed this other guy in Florida. Uh, And this dude had like two brain aneurysms, had a stroke, all these things that happened to where his brain was basically fried. Mm. Uh, And this happened like 20 years ago. And so he had survived all these things, but like really mentally incapacitated. But the Lord had somehow preserved his life. And so he's about 50 years old and he starts, like he couldn't even hold a job anymore, right? So he starts going to an abortion clinic every day to share the gospel with women waiting outside. And he's like mentally incapacitated, right? Mm-hmm. But that's just what he felt the Lord had put on his heart. Now, as he starts doing this year after year, his brain starts coming back. I mean, it's this crazy story. Wow! <laughs> and so one day he's outside the clinic and he's and he's been there for years at this point, And he's sharing the gospel with these women that are waiting inside. The, he, he yells really loud. He stands on the sidewalk and he yells really loud. And people inside the building can actually hear him, right? Wow. Mm. And so one day... He there doing this and a taxi cab just screeches to a halt. And the taxi cab driver speaks Spanish and he begins wailing and crying, right? Well, my friend can't understand anything that's going on because the guy's just jabbering on his Spanish. Well, he had a- another friend there that day who spoke English and-, and she spoke Spanish. And so my friend, John, John sends his friend over and the lady talks to the, the taxi cab driver. And she says, John, um, this guy says that last year he was actually inside the clinic with his wife to have an abortion, Mm. And um, they kept on hearing you preach the gospel. <laughs> and um, look, here's photos. And they whip oh, out the ph- and the taxi cab driver wow. whips out his phone and he's just, like scrolling through his Facebook feed and showing like pictures of the sun oh, that amazing. they had and chose to have. And of course, John's like, "Wow, you know that's great. Praise the Lord, Amen. You know, praise the Lord that you changed your heart. You didn't abort your baby. Wow. You know, do you know Jesus? Kind of thing." <laughs> yes. and so they talked for a little bit, you know, through the translator. Finally, they you know they they say goodbye. And the taxi cab taxicab driver starts to drive off, and suddenly John says, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! Stop, stop, stop!" And so the lady Yolanda runs over to the taxi cab driver, and John's like, "Yolanda, Yolanda, ask him. Hey, when I was preaching, what what language did you hear that in?" And the taxi cab <laughs> driver says, "Spanish." <laughs> John doesn't speak Spanish. Man, come on, man. he does not speak Spanish. And let me get a of, oh. John, John goes to like a Presbyterian, non-charismatic <laughs> church. It is, that's it is amazing. the the most opposite of any charismatic yeah, church. You could. God. And he was just like, that is the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's Paul. Crazy. Here's one of the things Compelled, that I absolutely man. Man, oh my goodness, that podcast. Look. So,
1: so what I what I appreciate. And what I love about you, Paul, is that as Dr. Cook would say, uh, Dr. Kathy would say, you are people smart, right? (laughs) So you totally understood my question. You totally understood the point that I was making, even in bringing up that you've got this guy who attends a church where, you know, the belief in those kinds of things, it may not really be well received, but it's amazing to me that when Jesus shows up, And he does what he wants yeah he doesn't check with us
2: yeah Mm. you know what i mean he's
1: already displayed in the word how he (laughs) operates like we already have the evidence in the word so we can check the lord according to scripture right that he is indeed at work Mm. and i love that that as you include that as you share that story it shows that Jesus is still at work mm. and he is doing what is required to build his church. Yeah. Mm. Like he's building his church. Amen. He's He's moving on people's hearts. And that's one of the things that really kind of stands out to me yes. as I listen to compelled. I, I go, I say to the kids, guys, pay attention to that. It's a miracle. Yeah. So I'm thinking of the big burly guy. I can't remember his name who um, got saved in prison and then was called oh. to prison ministry. And he's like, I'm not going to do that. I don't even have money for gas. And he's sitting in his car. <laughs> and as he's saying this, this guy walks up and taps on the window and gives him a gas card. Like just out of nowhere, <laughs> the Lord sends this, this person. We don't know who mm-hmm. this person is, you know. Um, but I'm thinking you include those in the testimony. Like you don't edit those out. You don't attempt to make people's accounts more comfortable for you, and and I think, for us in the United States of America, we haven't experienced as much as we could, frankly, because we just don't need to. Mm.
2: We have reason,
1: we have logic, we have mm. human effort, mm-hmm. and so many of your stories bring in people who've come to the end of their human effort. Yeah, They're, they've come to the end of themselves, and even in the story you just told, it's not really logical, if you if you will, to have right. this person who is mentally
2: yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. like
1: struggling, but the Lord is using him in compelling ways.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're 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 totally right on there. And I think one thing that you know I think about sometimes is that when people have like this, oh man, I wish I had had this amazing spiritual journey just like you did. I wish the Holy Spirit had done such this crazy miracle. Well, I mean, I, yes, I I wish that too, right? right. Like I <laughs> wish I was seeing miracles like that done also. Yeah. But I also remember there's like this common grace that. I have the Bible. Like, amen. I actually have the words of God. That's and right. if you talk to someone who's experienced miracles, but they live in a foreign country, like those the those people from Papua New Guinea, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they actually want the words of God amen. in their language. Amen. Like, they would actually much rather be able to read the words that God has written mm. rather than relying on, like, waking up the missionary at certain times of yes. the hour. Like, hey, yes. <laughs> Tell us yes. another thing that the God said. You yes. know, I was talking to this other guy. Uh, and he is a missionary in Africa working with the Samburu people in, I think, northern Kenya. It's people who never heard of Jesus, unreached people group. And so he says so there will be times like, he'll, re- he'll, he'll contact the tribe, he'll be with them uh, among the people, he'll try to share with them about Jesus, and then they'll later say as they're wrapping things up, they're like, hey, next time you come. I, I'm doing a terrible accent. I, I, I want, they say, next time you come, um, <laughs> bring the Jesus guy, bring him in the car with you. Let's talk to him. Whoa. You know, because, because like, and then he goes, like, okay, yeah, there's a communication barrier here. Like We're sure, still trying sure. to work this. Because yeah. they want to know who this Jesus guy is, right? Yeah. And it blows their minds later on when they find out, oh, wow, he wrote a book. Yes. Cool. <laughs> well, we can't read, but you know, translate this to us in our language and we'll read that too. Let wow. me say
1: something about the point you're making here. Okay. So you've got another podcast episode. I'm just going to run down all of your episodes in like my, you know, mom of six way, which means I don't remember anybody's name. Okay. So there's a guy who was involved in mysticism and he got saved and he's actually a homeschooling dad. He was featured in one of your podcasts.
2: Atticus Carr.
1: That's him. That's him. One of the things that he said in the episode, if I remember correctly, was that what stood out to him was that God spoke to him through his fixed word. He said he was used to like feelings and he was used to like sensing and emotion and all of these things and dealing with like darkness and and, and mysticism, but that God answered his questions in his fixed established word, which said to him, it means that God anticipated my question before I ever existed. And I remember listening to that and thinking, praise God for his word, like praise God. This is why we need spirit and truth. The spirit of God is at work in real time, which you hear through the episodes that we're listening to. And also God's word stands fixed. God's word is sure, it's certain, and it is reliable. And so I just appreciate that. We're gonna grab the break. I can can hear and I'm getting the cues. Uh, When we come back on the other side of the break, we're gonna talk about the importance of homeschooling. We're gonna talk about the importance of the work that local homeschooling organizations do on the ground and also what is happening in Texas. All right, so Paul Hastings is our guest today. This is the Texas Homeschool Coalition Convention. We are live and direct in Dallas, Fort Worth. We'll take a break and be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Nikki
0: And I'm Will, and that's Flame and V Rose with the light.
1: I don't know which way to clear my throat, because if I lean in your direction, there's a mic there. <laughs> if I lean in the opposite direction, there's Paul's you mic over there. Hold so it I in. just it's like, oh my goodness. <clears throat> I don't have a cough button. I don't have I don't mean to sound like a diva, but like I, I can't work under these conditions, okay? <laughs> Everybody knows like my allergies. Anyway, uh, we are talking with Paul Hastings, podcaster, speaker, entrepreneur, uh, homeschooling dad you yourself were homeschooled. You grew up in the homeschooling community. So I bet when you walk into a room, it's like, hey everybody. That's right, that's right.
2: Lots of homeschool inside jokes we can tell. Yeah,
1: so you also travel the country though. local homeschooling organizations or state organizations are so important and so vital to the work that homeschooling parents are doing. And maybe sometimes it can be overlooked, the work that state organizations are doing. Talk a little bit about that, Paul.
2: Yeah. So I'm on the board of the Texas Homeschool Coalition, and we are the largest state homeschool organization in America. That's kind of unfair, though, because like we're one of the largest states in I America. I was going to so, say, you know, so it's not quite yeah. the same. But wow. let me tell you, every state in America, all 50 states, each of them has their own state homeschool organization, and if you're not plugged in with your local state homeschool or just Google it, I'm sure you can find it, um, but each of those organizations, they actually do really important work, so the crazy thing, at least in Texas and in many other places of the country, homeschooling used to be illegal, right, and so parents were like thrown in prison in terrible scenarios, I and mean, we've literally seen that happen before back in the 90s, and so the reason that you can homeschool freely today, though, is because of all these different state homeschool orgs rose up, and they were all basically created by just regular parents who are yeah. like, this is crazy, and we think yeah. the Constitution's kind of on our side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a lot of things happened over the last 30 years, and now there's all these organizations, basically, that do a lot of things. One of the things that many of your orgs do is they do a state homeschool convention every year, um, and they'll bring in speakers and motivational folks to talk about homeschooling and how the Lord can be at work in your household, even if you don't feel equipped to do that. Mm -hmm. So right now we're here in in Dallas, right? So people are hanging around tonight. We have our free family fun night. We're hanging out with the American Heritage Girls. That's right. They're doing hatchet throwing and fire making (laughs) and all those cool stuff. It's free to come to actually. Uh, so, we're in Allen. Uh, you should check it out. Texas Homeschool Coalition convention. Shout out. <laughs> that's right. And then we'll be next month, we'll be in uh, Houston also doing another convention down there. So, uh, But the other really important thing that these orgs do is they work on legal issues. So, at yeah. the state capitol, they're following all the legislation that's being filed. If you've ever been in a scenario and you find out something is the law and you're like, that's stupid, well, guess what? You can change it. Right. You can yeah. literally change it. Right. Or if you're blind, more stupid stuff can happen, too, right? Oh, uh-huh. so yeah, what a great got to be point. careful for that. So, um, you know, just here in our organization, and I can speak on behalf of all these other state school orgs, there's always legislation that's filed that could take away your rights. Yeah. So you need to be vigilant. So make sure to connect with your org, know what's going on, join their email list or their phone list so they can alert you when, they've got, when there's, like, you know, issues going on. We need you to call your state legislator about XYZ issue right now. Yeah, that's um, a
1: great point. Let me jump in and say this, Paul, and get you to talk to this just a little for a little bit, because I think one of the things that we as homeschooling parents may take for granted is that the the rights that we have or the opportunities that we have in our individual states are like never ending, yeah. that there are not going to be attempts to curtail that. I think, and I, I'm interested to know what you think as well, I think that as we see the rise in popularity um, as it pertains to homeschooling, I think that there are individuals who would see that as a threat to expanding their ideology. So I think that homeschooling becomes kind of almost (laughs) less safe for them than than maybe they previously thought. Because now there's a thing, it's not just the crazy Christians, Mm. you know, it's other people who have their eyes open. And so then what happens to, you know the kids that we want to indoctrinate.
2: Yeah, you're totally right, right? Mm. Like, anyone who's interested in indoctrinating children, when you lose access to those children, you lose your control. Mm. I think one good example out of this, and not to be... I'm just be super honest, right? Of course. Child Protective Services, right? It's called different things in different states, but Child Protective Services, they're supposed to be there to, like, help children that are in abusive, dangerous situations, Mm -hmm. right? And and we would all agree, like, oh, of course, yeah, you should help. And of course, yeah, you should remove children out of abusive, neglectful situations. But unfortunately, many CPS Mm -hmm. caseworkers, CPS stands for child child protection, many CPS caseworkers they're younger. Mm-hmm. Um, they, many of them have actually come from kind of hard backgrounds themselves. And so many of them are unfamiliar with homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And so they hear like this idea like, oh, you know, a child being kept at home and not with his friends, like, and, you know, oh, and so they might kind of get a little like, oh, that's a little creepy. And so they right. might actually have a kind of a weird vibe with any family that's homeschooling. Right. So we experienced this back in Texas where CPS caseworkers would count homeschooling as a reason to take your kids out of your home. So the definition
0: of what abuse is.
2: Yeah, yeah, because like, oh, you can't play with your friends Mm -hmm. at a normal school hour? (gasps) Abuse right? And (laughs) you would think like, oh, I'm not making this up. Mm. Crazy stuff would happen. So we actually had to get involved as an organization and file legislation to stop, to overtly say CPS caseworkers may not count homeschooling, and weigh that in their investigation as to whether or not you're abusive. Wow, wow. Wow. So back two years ago, though, again, so like people talk about CPS caseload is so overworked. And these it is like it's there's all this crazy stuff that's going on. Well, one of the things that we did as an organization is we filed legislation two years ago to say like, hey, you know, normally when there's a random tip at at that point in time, there was a random tip and it wasn't even a credible tip, but there was a random tip. By law, CPS caseworkers had to go investigate each and every single random tip mm. about oh maybe something's going on so what you would have is you'd have some neighbors would get in an argument with each other about like the lawn or something mm-hmm. and so the neighbors would get really upset and then they would escalate and they would just call in and make a random tip oh, against a wow. family because they were having a lawn issue mm-hmm. and just make a random tip it was anonymous mm. and a cps caseworker by law had to come to your house knock on the door investigate you and crazy right just over a lawn, wow. right the lawn just dis- so We filed legislation saying, like, hey, no more of these anonymous tips that you have to mandatorily search. And when we filed that legislation, passed it, that resulted in a 40% drop in CPS investigations in Texas. That is unprecedented. Wow. But the only reason that happened is because the homeschool organization— don't, it wasn't the private schoolers doing it. It wasn't the yeah, Christian. You know, yeah. It was just the homeschool organization that did that. And that's going on all across America. All sorts of state works are doing this right mm. now. Man, well, we should be
1: more grateful for our state organizations <laughs> yes. probably than we are. I mean, I, I would imagine that this is just one story among many where you see your protections uh, coming under attack. And you don't know that there are people who are working in your favor. Paul, I'm wondering this. Um, having been homeschooled and now as a homeschooling dad, working, serving on the board, uh, traveling the country, because you're also... In different states, as we know. Um, what is, it this is your observation, okay? I'm just kind sure. of asking. What would you observe as sort of like the number one shift that you've seen in the way parents are homeschooling their kids? That it two things. One, encourages you. Um, two, troubles you.
2: Hmm. Wow. That's a really deep question. Okay. Two things that come across my mind. One thing that that kind of like disturbs me again, I mentioned this earlier at the top of the hour is sometimes I believe as Christians, we can become complacent Yes. and believe again, like, oh, I chose the right homeschool curriculum. I'm going to the right church. Therefore, my children are going to end out the right way. Mm. Mm. Okay. So two things are wrong with that. First off, you cannot make that assumption like, oh, they're going to turn out the right way. Because You you must be engaged with your kids, know who their friends are and what they're playing, what they're listening to, mm-hmm. and be engaged with them, right? Yes. Because like they're God's gift to you right now, mm-hmm. and they're also your responsibility. The second thing, though, and this is really important, is we should not make this assumption like, okay, my kids are guaranteed to turn out the right way. Come on. Okay? That's right. Because I, right. I know plenty of parents who they did everything by the book. They did everything right. But in the end, again... Who chooses to sit? It, it is in the end. It's, it's up to the individual child, right? That's right. right. Who, who turns into a teenager, who turns into an adult. Mm-hmm. I think about this. God the Father was the perfect father. Mm-hmm. And he placed Adam and Eve in a perfect home. Come on. The perfect parent with the perfect home setting, right? So good. And what happened to the kids?
1: Yeah, come on. Choice. It was right. not we God's will. fault, mm-hmm. Right.
2: It was, it was the choice of the children that's to disobey still. So, so I want to encourage any parent out there who's got, like, a prodigal kid or whatever, like, hey, we're not here to, like, oh, you know, like, condemnation on yeah, you because we're right. you not didn't. good enough. Right. It's not you. right? Now, there are things that we can do, and that's we right. are responsible for right. the setting that we put our kids in. That's but good. in the end, we are not responsible for the outcome. Mm-hmm. The effort we put in, yes, totally, yes. that's on us. But the outcome is not ours. That's in the Lord's hands. Amen.
1: Amen. Do you think Amen. that parents— resonate with that? Like what you've just said, do do. you think that parents are connecting with that and really understanding that? Because one of the things that we said early on, especially as we started to be, so we had been homeschooling, but we didn't make a big deal about it. Like on air, we didn't talk about it a whole lot. And increasingly we felt like, man, you know, if we talk about anything else, so we'll talk about what we're doing. We'll talk about what the way that we're discipling our kids and the big component of that, that we often ignore publicly is that we are educating them at home, right? But one of the things we had to say was that homeschooling is not salvific. We don't believe that because we homeschool them, that that's automatically an accurate presentation of the gospel, or that it is living life in front of them so they see what it is to be faithful. All of these things require discipline Mm -hmm. on our part as well, and so I think it's important for parents to understand that. All right, so is that in the category, what you just said, is that in the category of encouraging or troubling?
2: Uh, That's in the category of encouraging. I think as people hear this, there's a great book by Ted Tripp called Shepherding Your Child's Heart, Okay. and it's a great book. My wife and I both read it. Beautiful book. I'd highly recommend it for any of our listeners. Listeners out here, um, shepherding your child's heart by Ted Tripp. I wish I was paid money to say this right. I read it all the time. But there's one other book I will also recommend called Family Worship by mm. Donald Whitney. It's like 90 pages long, okay. and I read that as a dad. It was really meaningful for me about the importance of incorporating family worship in your home. It doesn't have to. You don't have to have a dissertation. It doesn't have to be like you know this full-on sermon that you're preaching. every. It's just the simple act of like, hey, read, pray, sing. Just read a few verses if we need to. Pray. We can all talk to God Mm -hmm. and then just sing a song or something, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's very simple and just do it consistently and that will have rewards way beyond what you can estimate.
1: Who's Mm -hmm. the author of the family worship book? Ted Tripp. Ted Tripp. Okay, so then Shepherding Your Child's Heart. Who's the author? Oh, wait, I'm
2: sorry. Family Worship is by Donald Whitney. Okay. Shepherding Your Child's Heart is by Ted Tripp.
1: I was listening. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Yep. So, so then what is the thing that is uh, troubling? I don't know if we actually Mm. nailed that one. Yeah, maybe so, that one makes you. So what weird.
2: troubles me is sometimes when parents are like, "Hey, I've already chosen the right curriculum. I've chosen these right things, and I'll just assume that people are going to turn out the right way." Okay, that can be troubling yeah. sometimes. Yeah, So don't, don't make the assumptions there. So,
1: yeah. Now let me ask you to do this, to the parent who is listening. Vast majority, probably, of our listening audience. There have been a lot of people who have made the shift to homeschooling. There are still many people who are kind of on the fence that have reached out to us and said. I just don't know that I can do this. Yeah. Or there are some situations where maybe the mom wants to do it, that the dad doesn't, or the dad wants to do it and the mom doesn't. Um, however, it works out. There are people who are interested, but just have not made what feels like to them the quantum leap to homeschool.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: what is your encouragement for for those listeners?
2: Hey, first off, the Lord hears you. If you're listening to the show right now, I'm going to make the assumption, and maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to make the assumption that you care about what the Lord cares about, mm. right? And so, because otherwise That's they'd good. be turned off by what you guys say. They all the They wouldn't time. like <laughs> it. Man, you know, I appreciate so, uh, that. So the Lord cares about you, and He cares about your children. And mm-hmm. there are situations where a parent can't homeschool, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that maybe it's a split family, and someone's got to, you know, you got to keep feeding the kids, and you just can't do it, right? I hear that, and that is where the Lord has placed you. Then praise the Lord that He is still near to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is not to be me like, oh, judgment and condemnation. For some of you though, maybe you are in a situation where you're able to homeschool your kids. Have you ever thought about, like, offering to, like, just, like, take care of someone else's kids for, like, a couple days? Mm. Mm. There's a lady here. Her so name is Anita good. Scott. And so she and her family, they're African-American, mm-hmm. grew up in the 80s right here in Dallas, Texas. And her mom started homeschooling all eight of her kids back in the 80s in inner city Dallas, right? Wow. Her dad worked at UPS, right? Her mom was homeschooling her kids. Wow. She did such a – and she was really gifted at it. She, the the neighborhood right inner city Dallas the neighborhood all around their apartment complex realized like hey there's this one black mom mm-hmm. in our area homeschooling her eight kids come on and they started coming there and say like hey can I uh, can I drop Robbie off with you mm. and in the end she ended up homeschooling like thirty. Kids! Oh wow. my goodness! Right, thirty kids. They eventually, the whole community ended up rallying up together, partnered with a church, and bought a little building, and they started a private school.
1: <laughs> I need to talk to her.
2: I know. She, uh, she. I is need, here. I need she our is listeners here. to
1: hear from her. Man. Like that is incredible. Yeah, it, it is the true wow. story,
2: and she works on our, our the, the 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 daughter now is our policy director here at Texas Homeschool Coalition. <laughs> So, but none of that would have happened, right? Yeah, if Anita's goodness. mom hadn't been willing to say yes, yeah. right? So, if you're listening and you're in that situation where you are able, you maybe you do have excess capacity, right? I mean, that's a crazy thought to help offer to help someone else's kids learn. That's crazy, right? Yeah, come but on. Maybe the Lord has placed that on your heart, wow. even just a day, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you could just help one day a week or something like that. Yeah. Who, who knows? Who knows? I think it, it wow. begins
1: with the desire. It yeah. begins with the conviction, and then praying that the Lord opens doors and leads you to see that conviction to the end, yeah, you know, and yeah. I think that's so often where we're struggling to get is what is the conviction that we have? What's important to us? I don't mean to sound doom and gloom, especially as we come to the end of the program mm-hmm. here. But the reality is that we live in a hostile culture to the faith. We live in a hostile culture for Christians. And so I really see homeschooling as a way for us to exist in the time that we're in and remain faithful. It's a way for us to not put our kids in like a, you know, shelter or anything like that, but to ready them for the culture they're gonna live in. 30 seconds, your final thoughts.
2: Come to the Texas Homeschool Coalition convention if you're in Dallas or in Houston. If you live elsewhere in the country, check out your local homeschool org. Very They've cool. got to have a convention of their own. Check it out. Oh You'll that is so
1: encouraging. Paul it's always great to talk with you. We will be talking with you soon because we're going to premiere compelled season six mm-hmm. on Aaron the Addison. Yes. It's gonna be an exclusive and I don't even really care what it is. When something isn't exclusive, that's good. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> anyway, Paul, thank you so much. We are out of time. We'll be back tomorrow as we broadcast day two mm-hmm. from the Texas Homeschool Coalition Convention yes. in the Dallas area. Um, until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.